let's go ahead and just love Jesus. Oh, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Oh, you're the reason that I live. Oh, you're my joy. You're my peace. Hallelujah. You're my purpose. You bring meaning and purpose to my life. Hallelujah. Well, at this time, we will dismiss the children to their classes and the, the teens to their class. like to have a little fun with the, the name, but we'll have a Mac attack here in a minute. So, Brother Mac, if you want to come on up here, I appreciate Brother Mac. He's a great man. Um, I have a, what I think is a, both a funny story and an embarrassing story. I was, this last summer, I met a guy, and he said, he told me that Underwood got married in my church, and I said, I don't know an Underwood. <laughs> I'm like, because I always call him Mac. <laughs> I was very embarrassed. And then I was like, wait, wait. And then I wanted to assure the man that uh, I visit with Mac quite regularly. <laughs> so, Brother Mac, come on over to the pulpit and share what God's laid on your heart. Amen. It's a good week to be in the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been looking forward to today. So some of those... There's some weeks that are just a little tougher than others, I'm sure. You know, it's life, and there's some weeks you're like, man, I can't wait to get to church on Wednesday. Uh, amen. So I want to say thank you, Bishop, for this opportunity to bring the word this evening. Uh, I'm going to jump right into it for time's sake. If you have your Bible, turn, to, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 31, one of my favorite books in the Bible. The more I read it, the less I understand is what it feels like sometimes. So um, I guess that's partially what makes it so fun. Isaiah chapter 31, and we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to kind of popcorn read through this chapter real quick to get the idea, the core of this chapter, um, and then we'll talk about it and see what we can uh, pull for our own life's sake out of this chapter and what applies to us today. So Isaiah chapter 31, starting at verse 1, it starts off with woe. Woe is an interjection here. It's a warning, basically, to the people that Isaiah is speaking to or person, and it's a warning to stop. It's an interjection. Stop where you're at. Stop in the direction you are heading. So let's see what he's telling them woe about. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Going down to verse 3. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down, and they all shall fall together. And then in verse 6, to wrap it up here, turn ye unto him from whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. Deeply revolted. So let's talk about the context of this, of this chapter, and really the first part of Isaiah that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, this first part of Isaiah is uh, Isaiah talking to the current uh, situation that him and the people are in, and... Um, I also want to point out that this is a specific chapter, and it's not necessarily something that can apply to, you know, every part of our life today, but we can take the content content, and the core of the principle from this, from this chapter and see how that applies to our lives today. So it's not something, you know, as Jesus gave the Great Commission, that still applies to the church today. 
This isn't necessarily like that. It's a different form. It's a different uh, thing that we're going to take a principle and we're going to take that core. And how can it apply to the church today? How can it apply to me and you today? So we see in this first chapter, this first half of Isaiah, that God is displeased with the children of Israel. He's upset with the actions they're taking, with, with what they're doing. He's reproving them and correcting them through his prophet Isaiah. He tells them of their destruction that will happen if they continue to ignore him and serve the world instead of trusting in him. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I, I like this verse because it really sets the tone for what Isaiah talks about in this first half. And, and it's a great synopsis that the rest of Isaiah goes on to prove. And starting at verse 3, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, and they have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They are gone away backwards. And I especially find the part where it says, they do not even consider God, and they have gone away backwards. I find that very interesting, and, and if you read through Isaiah, you will find that that is true, and that is the constant message of Isaiah, to turn back to God, to consider God, to put him first in your life. Also at this time, there's a massive Assyrian army that is, has an impending takeover of Israel, and it's getting ready to make its march, and it's shortly coming, and the people fear this gigantic army that's coming its way. And this is where we read in chapter 31 of Isaiah criticizing the king and the people that, that follow after him, and he, he warns them, woe to them that go, that look unto Egypt. He warns them of the people that, that look into Egypt for their deliverance. They look for the chariots and horses. It says they look into the chariots and horses because they are many and they are strong and they look good basically to the eye and they've put their faith in Egypt instead of putting their faith in God. Keep in mind, these are the same Egyptians that, that God had delivered Israel from and now they are looking back into those Egyptians for deliverance. Those are the same Egyptians God delivered them from. The same God that split the Red Sea for them, the same God that, that eventually got them out of the wilderness, that, that gave them the power to overcome their adversaries in the promised land. And even though they were the lesser among all nations and people, God continuously delivered them years after years, time after time. And now another trial or tribulation comes, and now they look unto Egypt instead of the same God that had already proven himself without doubt. Now they look unto Egypt. It says they do not even look to God or seek him when trouble is near. Now, let's face it, church, we have real problems. We have real tangible problems. You know, when you get that, that bill, you know, in, in your inbox these days, not really in the mail, but whenever you get that, that bill or, or that marriage issue or, or whatever it may be in your life, that, that trouble at work, it's, we have real tangible issues. I have real tangible issues, at least. And, and it's just like the Israelites did. There was a massive army coming their way that they could see that had swords, that were people that were, that were tangible. And it didn't take faith to believe in, in the Assyrian army because they knew it was happening. And, and the thing is, they believed God, but at the, at the same time, God isn't something they could see. God isn't someone that was going to come down in, in flesh and have a sword and go fight the Assyrians for them. No, it was going to require some faith. And that's not an easy thing to do, much less for them, much less for us today. It's not an easy thing to rely on a God that we can't see with our eyes to take care of problems that we can see with our eyes. Jesus knew this. He said that in John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said unto Thomas, who is a doubter, as we know, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. It's a blessed thing to, to trust and put your faith in God, even when you can't see him. 
We are blessed because of that, and it's a tough thing. It's something that we didn't have the privilege to be like those disciples that saw Jesus, saw his flesh, saw the miracles uh, that, that he performed in that time. We still do get to see the miraculous. Thank God for that. But we don't get to see Jesus in flesh like that. He is a spirit. And God was a good solution in theory. You know, he was a good solution. Yeah, God can take care of it, but look at Egypt. Look at all those chariots and all those horses, and look what all those things that they have. You know, we can see those. We can rely on those. Why don't we look for answers there, solutions there? This is why the scripture tells us, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by what we see, but we walk by the faith we have in God. So the same principle that holds, that Isaiah's words uh, said, hold applicable today. Woe to those that trust in the Lord more than they trust in God. Woe to those that look into the world for solutions before they look to God for solutions. We often talk about, you know, praising God and looking for God in tough times, but I also want to say that it's vice versa, the same thing. We shouldn't just praise God and worship God in good times. When, when those troubles come and those terrible, you know, days that just seem like there's no end to the day and you don't know what to do, those are also days that we have to look into God first and foremost. God is a jealous God, as it tells us in Deuteronomy 4, 24. He's a consuming fire, even a jealous God, and he does not just want your praise whenever everything's going good. He does not just want, you know, your tithe whenever you get a promotion or a raise. God wants everything, the good and the bad in your life. He wants the Assyrian army in your life whenever you don't have an answer and there's an army at your doorstep. That's when God is saying, just let me in. Let me take care of the situation. Don't try to take it upon yourself. Don't look to the world for solutions. God wants everything. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know, they're not in Egypt. They're not what your eyes can see, but our weapons are mighty through God, mighty through our faith in God, may I say, to the pulling down of strongholds. It's not the physical we must look at. It's the spiritual. It's putting God first in everything. It's bringing your needs before God first and foremost before you start exploring those other options. God always has to be first in your life. In the words of Jeff Arnold, in order to see the miraculous, you must first have a need God responds to a need. So whenever he sees that Assyrian army come your way, he, he sees an opportunity for you, him to show you how great he is, to show you what he can do. So even when it doesn't make sense, even when it is hard, and maybe you're honest and you can say that your faith wavers in those situations and hard times, those are the times the most where you must learn to seek God and put your faith in him. Those impossible situations, they don't require anything that Egypt has to offer. Look for the Lord. Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lean onto your own understanding. Don't lean onto the flesh. Don't lean onto Egypt. Lean into God. Trust with him with all of your heart. Not some, but all of your heart. It says that the Egyptians, are, their, their army was big and, and it looked good. And likewise, the world, you know, it has solutions for everything these days and that look appealing. However, when we take our problems to the world first, we will get what the world can offer, which nothing good comes from the world. But when a man or woman puts God first before looking into the world, that's when they will experience supernatural intervention from God. So tonight, as I, as I let Pastor Lucas come, I just say, give everything to God. If you want to see the miraculous, give God the needs. Give him the impossible things. Seek him first in everything. Amen. Pastor Lucas, you can come this evening. Amen. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Thank you, Brother Mac. Thank you. God is good.
think uh, some of the things that Brother Mac talked about tonight, they fit well with uh, some of our opening verses. Um, we're gonna, in the book of Matthew this month, and uh, I'd like you to turn, I'm going to read a few verses, um, but you can turn to, uh, we'll read a verse out of Matthew chapter 14, 1 out of 15, or 1 out of uh, 16, and then we'll get one out of Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 28. So in Matthew chapter 14, uh, verse 27, it says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. This is when Jesus had sent them out in the boat, and the waters were overwhelming them, and, and they were tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And Jesus came walking on the water, and they were pretty scared. They were startled. And then Peter, when he realized who it was, he was like, bid me come, Jesus. You know, I, could, I can pause on any verse here. We'll, we'll move along here in a minute and capture some of those other ones. But uh, I just, you just... Just you stop on something and you enjoy it. Because Peter wasn't so stupid as to, I'm not supposed to say that word. Um, <laughs> so, so to, I don't know what else to say, so stupid <laughs> as to uh, just be like, well, I'm getting out of the boat. But he's like, wait a second. You know, I was scared when I seen you come walking. But I want what you got. I want to be with you. And I want to do that too. That, that's cool. You know, that's, a, that's actually a Jacob attitude. Jacob, name changed to Israel. He was like, I want what dad's got. He didn't go about it the right way always, but he wanted it. So Jesus told him to come. But once he started down that journey with Jesus, and the wind started tossing and, and rolling, and the situation hadn't changed. You know, and, and we preach out of this. We talk about where's your focus and where are you looking. And, 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 but, but that is life, right? We, we, we come to church and we're excited. And, and, and that, that's by no means saying you're shallow at all. But, but you, you get an encounter with God, but what life's beating you over here. And then it kind of gets your attention back. And, and you tried to push off the bills and the sickness and all the situations. And, and you're trying to focus on God and it's pulling you over. And, and that's what Peter's physical situation is. And he... And he sees it all, and he gets scared again, and he starts to sink, and Jesus pulls him up. And then Jesus says in verse 31, and immediately Jesus, I like that, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. See, he didn't leave him alone. And he said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? It's the miracle of Peter walking on water. And if we uh, journey down through chapter 15 here, we would see that Jesus fed 4,000, that he saw that he'd been teaching them, and he was like, you know, I'm not going to leave these people to eat. I'm going to feed them. So he fed them. And then we hit chapter 16, and the disciples had went to the other side here, and they traveled, and and uh, uh, when it says in verse 5, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten bread. 
Now, Jesus always sees everything as a teaching opportunity. He says, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, is it because we have taken no bread? Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them. So what did they say here? They were like, wait a second. Oh, man, we forgot the lunch. We traveled over here. Now, I know I blazed by it just a little bit there, but the previous chapter, a few verses before, Jesus had just fed 5,000 with loaves and fish, or 4,000, 4,000. So he'd done the 5,000 before. We, but now as we've journeyed tonight, we see Peter walks on water. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter walks on water. And then he feeds 4,000. And now they're like, man, we forgot the lunch. Oh, we were supposed to bring food. And Jesus stops them and he's like, where is your faith? And he says it right here. He says, oh, ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Do you not yet understand and remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets we took up? Neither the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many baskets we took up. And now the last thing is, is in chapter 28, Jesus has risen. He's on the mount with them. He's going to go up and be taken out of their sight. And uh, he gives them the great commission. But verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples, when they went away unto Galilee, into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. And... and uh, this isn't the spot here. You'd have to go to the book of Luke to see when Jesus is on the mountain to be taken away. So I don't want to um, mix the two stories there. But, but when Jesus had spake unto them, he said, all power is given to me. But verse 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. But some doubted. And I've mentioned three verses here tonight on doubting. Peter doubted in the water and and the disciples, when they went to the other side, they, they were wondering about their lunch and their food. And, and Jesus asked them about, why are you of little faith? And then we get to where Jesus has risen again, and now you encounter him. And even then, some doubted, some doubted. And I titled tonight, Remember the Miracle. Remember the Miracle. Um. Because we go through situations, and I kind of walked through it here with, with Peter on the water, and you're struggling, and you're going back and forth, and, and, you, and you're seeing the situations, and the strife, and the struggle, and, and, and your mind's over here, and is over here, and back and forth, and, and we forget what we mean to God, and what, how God cares about us, and what He has done for us. Um, just visiting with my wife uh, the other night, and we were talking about some stuff and some situations, and we uh, reminded each other, or I reminded her again, hey, remember the prayer you prayed, the house that you live in, the job that you work, your daughter being in church. Why do you have these things? Because you said, God, I want my daughter in church every Sunday. I need a new house, and I would like to work in the school. And that was at the start of July. And come August, she was working in the school. We've never had a situation for Sunday anymore. And in September, we were signing for the house. 
And it was a house I'd looked at before and said, God, I would like to have that house one day if it ever came for sale. And he had to send me very, a lot of emails to say, hey. <laughs> I, and finally, I was like, wow, I keep getting these emails. <laughs> and it was, this house is for sale. This house is for sale. And the next week, I get another one. This house is for sale. And I was like, oh, wait. And we go there, and I actually had Liam with me one time when I looked at it. And, and he said, I, I've been here before. I'm like, yeah. Um, interesting, maybe I told you this over the pulpit, but the house that we live in was built the year the twins were born. That's the year that we outgrew the house we were living in. It's just they were small, and we could stuff them in rooms together. <laughs> it's a bit harder to do now, and it was right before COVID hit, right before. And so we had a place for everybody to set and do their schoolwork, and God knew everything, and he had planned it ahead of time, and he had worked it all out, and he had the answer already built and established when the twins were born. He had already had that company made and created and doing its business. God has everything under control. And so, but when we face our next situation and our next moment, we wonder, where, how, how are we going to do this? Where are we going to go? And, and so I... I I just want to remind you a bit of what God thinks of you, what God thinks of you. And nestled in all these chapters is a passage that I've um, come around to different times lately. And um, I've got a paper that I worked over it. I'm not going to give you my paper. I'm not going to, well, you can have the paper, but uh, um, I'm not going to give you my speech or anything tonight. But Bishop, you, you delved into this passage just a, a week or two ago. And, and it's right here in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus is talking first with Peter, and then Matthew chapter 18, he talks with the disciples. But he tells Peter in verse 18, or 16, verse 18, he says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter. You're Peter. Before that, he was Simon. Simon. And he says, you're Peter. Now, you never think of him as Simon, even though it'll say Simon Peter or Simon Peter, and, and because everyone calls him Peter all the time. Why? Because God called him Peter. And so he, he says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock. Well, what does Peter mean? It means rock. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means the grave. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Nestled in the middle of all this doubting and the miracles is, is Jesus first communicating with Peter here. And I, I want to pause and I want to talk about this. Why? Because... God entrusted the establishing and the building and the foundation of his church into Peter. He made him a foundational stone. And, and Peter, a little bit later, he calls him, and he said, get behind me, Satan, here. But yet he says, oh, you're somebody I can use. I am going to use you. You, you doubt and you get frustrated and you get angry and you doubted me on the water here and, and you're going to cut off somebody's ear a little bit later and, and, and you're doing all these things and yet I, I'm going to use you and I'm entrusting 
with, into your hands, I'm going to use you to establish this great church that all of us here are a part of. He says, and upon this rock I will build my church. And church is, is people. It's people. He says, I'm going to build my people on this. Just like he trusted Abraham. And then he trusted Jacob, whom he changed his name to Israel. And he changed Abram to Abraham. So he changed Simon into Peter and entrusted to use them to build something great. But then he said, I'm giving you these keys. And what is this so significant about these keys? It's that, well, we could talk probably a lot of different ways about the keys, but keys did not used to be so small. I don't even have my keys on me. You didn't drop them in your pocket. Sometimes you had a designated person to handle the keys or the key. And that person didn't own the house. If you were a rich man and you had some, some, you had, uh, uh, some servants and you'd say, okay, you're my key guy. You're the key guy. And you would entrust the keys to the individual. So Bishop, he has the keys. And the master has entrusted the keys into his hands. It doesn't mean that you own the house. It just means that you're a steward of the house. And you open that door up to the people who are supposed to be able to come in. And you have the key to the, 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 the storage room and to all the provisions. And why? You're, it's not so that you can keep everybody out of the provisions. But it's so that you can make sure that everything's handled right and justly. You have the keys. And not only does he tell him he's a foundation stone, but he says, hey, I, I'm entrusting you that you're going to be a good steward. So when we talk about doubting, do you see the, the contrast here? God is saying, I trust you to do the, the most precious thing to me is my church, and I trust you to be foundational. Oh, but I'm going to curse you by the fire. Oh, and I'm going to have you be my steward. And you're going to take care of this. And, and I'm looking at, I, I'm going to use you. Oh, and then we doubt and we think, well, God, God, oh, he isn't going to use me. Well, God, can, well, why hasn't he taken care of my body now? Why do I have this other ache and pain? Man, I, you know, when I, Wanted to get the Holy Ghost. I was like, Jesus, I just want you to fill me with your spirit. I prayed so hard. I prayed for like a couple years. Do not let that scare anybody, okay? That's why I don't like to see you guys beat yourself up at the altar. I threw up once praying for the Holy Ghost. When I got the Holy Ghost, I was like, is that really it? I felt really great, but oh, man. Is that, right? I mean, I mean it, was, it wasn't the feelings that I had. It was just like, that, that can't be. And, and, and so the next morning, I was like, could you do that again? <laughs> we're we're going to raise our hands here, and I'm just, would you, would you do, like, why? I was like, would he really, he would fill me? In fact, I was like, hey, God, you know, could you change up the rules a little bit? Like, <laughs> this is me as a kid. It's silly, right? It's silly. But you guys have children. If you don't remember your own childhood, at least remember your kids'. And uh, I was like, could we just change it up so that if I'm bad, I get into heaven? I don't know where my mind was. <laughs> But I was like, this isn't going to work for me. And so when he filled me, I doubted it. And, and when, when I, uh, and he calls me over, and I'm, I'm working with somebody, and God gives you a word for someone. You're like, 
you're going to give me a word to share with them? Yes, I, I, Peter, I gave you the keys and I made you a foundation stone. You're important to me. And, and revelation has been given to you. You matter. You matter. You matter. When we talk about the kingdom of God and as we've talked about it this, this month... And you, what do you think the kingdom of God is or the kingdom of heaven? I think we've established pretty well in this church that the kingdom of heaven is here. And I don't mean that the trumpet's not going to blow and, and that there's not going it's, to, it's here but not yet. It's here but it's hidden. It's not, everything's not complete yet. We still wrestle in these bodies and we still have sin in this world and we have all these things. But yet the presence of God is with us and he has full authority and we've, we've drilled that home and so when you're serving, for, serving God and you're in the kingdom of God, part of the kingdom of God is God uses people. God uses you. Just say, God uses me. God uses me. And he's entrusted this into you. And he's, brought, he's put his authority in you. He sent those disciples out to heal people and to cast out devils. But not just that. He sent us out to be witnesses. I mean, if you were going to pick, Jesus, could you just come and tell everybody about yourself? Or I tell everybody about you. I would think Jesus would do a much better job telling them about himself. I mean, be like, hey, God, God, just go ahead. go Feed 5,000 again. Let's break the bread, right? And But yet, no, he has entrusted us, the kingdom of God, it's, it's his people and his authority is there. You know, and he's, well, we need to read a couple more verses here. But he goes on and, and he says, verily I, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven jumped up to Matthew chapter 18 now, verse 18. So he had told this to Peter, gave him the keys of the kingdom of heaven back in 16, and he said, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But in Matthew chapter 18, he's now not just talking to Peter, he's talking to the disciples. And he comes out of a passage here where they're dealing with situations and issues and 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 two or three gathering and touching on anything and, and, and issues in the church. But, but then he, he dives off here and he shares these same words. And I don't want to forget the passage in Matthew chapter 18, but I think that this, this goat hits that and is bigger than that because it reaches back to the words he shared with Peter and he's, he's telling us some important facts that um, whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound to heaven, whatsoever shall loose. And then he says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now rabbis used to say that if two people got together with Torah or with the Word, that the Shekinah glory or the presence of God would be in their midst. And Jesus says that if Two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done of them of my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, and I start thinking about that, the word and his name. 
And then the presence of God, he says, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus just took what they were familiar with, and he said, hey, (laughs) oh, when you gather in my name... Before you just sat down and you thought, well, I'm going to study, we're going to study some word together. And, and, and see, for the Jewish people, they said, hey, we have to have 10 people before we can have like real worship and a real worship service. But Jesus just hits on if we have two. Oh, we're, we, we don't need a whole bunch, but I, I just want my church together. And, and if there's two of you here and if you're together and, and you're within my presence... Where, where he told Peter, uh, um, whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That r- phrase right there actually means, it's like in the perfect sense. It means what you do down here has been done up here. Now when we translate it into English, we think, okay, now that I've done my part, now heaven's going to do their part. But what's Jesus trying to tell us? When we get together in his name, Now, that doesn't mean that you just spoke the name of Jesus. No, that means that I got aligned with what he wants. His thoughts are my thoughts. His ways are my ways. Now, it doesn't just mean that that I'm a a dummy over here and he just, the the words come through and I'm just a pass-through thing. No, he wants my emotions. He wants my feelings. God's using me and working through me. But when I get my attitude straight with his... And I get his principles, and and we start looking at things, and he's here. Now, Sister Kiara, then when we get together about a problem, he starts to write our attitudes. And when we get a little astray on him, and and, and he pulls me back in. And so you and I get together, and we're talking here, and Brother Jeremy, we're talking, and we're praying, and we agree, and we're in his presence. He's going to do it. And you say, well, sometimes my prayer's not answered. Well, maybe he's aligning us up just a little bit more. Maybe he, he didn't reveal to us yet, here's what my purpose ultimately is. But I know because I'm in his presence that he's going to take me there. Mm. I think we can refer that a little bit back to the fact that he tells us that he was, he's going to provide for us, that we don't need to worry about where our food's going to come from. Yet we sometimes go through uh, hard times. But God's never forsaken me. And he says, I take care of the lilies of the valley, the grass, right? And you say, well, some of them shrivel up and die. But God still is in control. So when we get together and we begin to pray about something and we begin to call on heaven and we align with him and we, we say, okay, this is what needs done. You know what's happened? It's actually already happened up here in heaven. It's happened here and we've gotten lined up with him. And so it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So God uses people. He told these words to Peter, and then he jumps ahead and he shares very similar words and identical words with the other disciples. And when you travel into the New Testament and through the New Testament, you see that the apostles and prophets, that they're foundational pieces. But it goes on from there, and you see people who are not apostles and prophets, like Philip, the evangelist, going into Samaria and bringing the word there before God had even used Peter to unlock the doors. You, you see him going down and, and meeting a man in the desert and, 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 getting, and preaching to him. And, and then you begin to see, well, yes, the Apostle Paul, there's a lot of writings about him. This gospel just 
spreads like wildfire. And there's house churches all over and people are getting together because God took this thing and He took it from, from the, these 11 disciples and that, or these apostles that, that remained and, and He spread it and, and He used more and more and more people. So instead of you seeing a few big names standing around, the Peter, the James, the Johns, the Pauls, you now have people who you don't even know spreading the gospel. The news, why? It's, it's not just that we're spreading it to others. It's that God is using you. And He's using you to be a foundational piece in a, in a place that's never heard the word before. And He's using you to, to be the, 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 the body that goes into your neighborhood for people who are hurting and aching. And maybe their parents heard about this, but they don't see it for what it is. And so when you wonder, wow, did we forget our lunch? Man, God's really going to be mad at me. He has entrusted his church in your hands. And he has made you foundational pieces. And he's, he's, he's put this gospel in you. And you tell people about it. You're stewards of his word. Meant to be shared. Meant to be spread. So when you're down and you're going through struggle, remember when Jesus was on the water, He said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I. Matthew 14, verse 27, it is I, be not afraid. Oh, I think that call, it often goes out and it, it hits us in the head and he's like, oh, ye of little faith. Don't you remember what I did for you? I'll, I'll take it for myself. Don't you remember the house that you live in? You know, some of you have greater faith than I've got. God had to put me in a house to remind me all the time. You know, I have to walk into the wall, right? Stub my toe. Uh, um, I stubbed my pinky the other day. It still hurts. Um, I can type now. But, uh, yeah. Um, God is reminding me all the time. What it, I've still got you. Bishop, he's got you. And when, when you stand here and you wonder, okay, where am I at with this church? Remember the envelope. A year before, he had somebody write and put it in the envelope. Why? So when you're standing there and you're like, wait a second, did I get it all wrong? And, 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 and I thought I got over here to the other side, but did we forget our lunch? He's like, remember the envelope. Oh, Sister Kiara, you were there that same night that, that God spoke into our lives. And, and God spoke into your life and you, you told God things and and when you're going through your struggles and the coals are, are saying, man, where's God at? Or what did we do wrong? Did we go astray? He's saying, hello, I have provided for you. And I picked on them a little bit, but I could pick on all the rest of you. Do you not know how valuable you are and how he has put you here? When he says, there I am in the midst of them, Mm. you gathered in his name and you're his body right here. His spirit is in you. 
And it's not just some words that we say, but Jesus is right here. And he begins to do ordained things and to move. And, and we just need to trust him. Can we stand to our feet? I want you to remember the miracle. Just close your eyes for a moment. Think about some things that God has done in your life. For some of you, you might like to say, hey, oh my God never did anything for me. No, God has been involved in your life when you didn't know it. He's always been pulling and tugging and in that restlessness and that he's saying, hey, this isn't enough. I've got something more for you. So remember what he's done in your life. And then realign yourself with him. Because I want you to know that God values each of you so much. He's entrusted this gospel into your hands. You're called his church. You're his body. He's given you keys. He's given you authority. And when we come together in his presence, we move. We, we change the world. Lord Jesus, I ask you to reach down and I ask you to encourage. I ask you to lift up. God, I ask you to help us to remember where you brought us from, how you, your promises how you always said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. God, but you're in our midst. And when you're in our midst, it truly is Emmanuel. God with us. It's your kingdom. Your kingdom, oh God. Your presence, your authority. Everything established right here. And you have called us and made us worthy. So we just worship you right now. Go ahead, just look up towards heaven. And thank Him. We thank You, God, because You took care of us before. You've got us now. And You've got us in our future. Oh, God, You've got us. Go ahead. Just let Him know, God, You got me. You got my problem. You got my circumstance. Oh, God, You're not playing games with me. Oh, Lord, I'm not some cat that you play with a ball of string with. Oh, but God, you, You've put Your Spirit in my heart. You live in me. Oh, God, and, and, and death can't hold me back, Lord. Death can't hold this thing back, God. Oh, God, you didn't just tell us that you were going to rise again, but you told us that you have the keys, oh, God, that, that, that hell can't come against this thing, God. You've caught us, and because you live, we will live, and we live. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you. Remember, God is building this in you. He's using you, and, and He values you. And He's with you. He's your Emmanuel. We'll see you again this coming Sunday. God bless you.